Over 30 years of advice for your house, home, castle, or cabin. Y'all have things you want to get done. It's Rosie on the house. In the holiday spirit here. Ho, ho, ho. Come on in. Pour yourself a glass of eggnog. Grab yourself a seat. You're tuned in to every Arizona homeowner Saturday morning happy place, and we're glad you're here. If you'd like to join the conversation and talk about your house, home, castle, or cabin, give us a ring at one 767 One of the primary things we do to become your best friend is show up every Saturday morning to answer any question you have about your house, home, castle, or cabin. From the bottom of the foundations and the footings to the concrete slab to the cabinets to the floor covering to the plumbing to the electrical to the air conditioning, the drywall, the painting, the roofing, the ductwork, the roofs, the chimneys. We're here to grant you access to our 48 years of building and remodeling Arizona homes. Give us a call, one 767 Forty-eight. Now, Rosie. Yeah, yeah. People are like, as you mentioned earlier, they're at the mall. Yes. They're waiting through two and three lights to get into the parking lot. Yes, they are. Probably don't have time to call, but we have the message, you know, the text message machine up four one one nine two three. Okay. Uh, send us any questions, and we'll get them answered for you. Very good. And we have a few here that have come in through the week that I'd like to address. But before I do. Uh, let me talk about the APS newsletter that came out. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Um, if you're on a time of day energy consumption plan with APS, you need to be, and, and you're familiar with our concept of supercooling through the summer, you need to be aware that that changes in the winter. And APS almost gives away free electricity in the winter through the middle of the afternoon. They call it the super reduction pay period. So get to their website, APS, get your personal portal portal set up. I use mine all the time, watching and monitoring what we're doing. And in the middle of the afternoon, APS is almost giving you free electricity. If you want to cook dinner, cook the oven at three to five. And then just set it in a warming drawer until supper's delivered. You'll be buying electricity at a greatly reduction price. But the one thing I wanted to say about the APS newsletter this week is the picture on the front is probably one of the best Arizona pictures I've seen in a long, long time. Snow-capped canyon. And it's the snow-covered Grand Canyon. And I'm, I'm going to call my contacts at APS they did not give a photo credit that I could see on who this shot is. But that's my next screensaver. That is an incredible, incredible photograph. I absolutely love it. So if you're interested in uh, driving your electric bill down, and a lot of us in dual energy homes don't have much of an electric bill right now. But if you're in an all-electric home, you can drive your price down even farther than normal by taking advantage of these time slots that APS gives you. I call it almost free. It's really inexpensive electricity. And and I've said it before, I'll say it again. 
It's the same electricity <laughs> that they charge more for later in the day or through the evening. Exactly the same product, but you're getting it at a greatly reduced price. But you have to be on the time of day use, which you virtually every one of you should be. There are very few of you that should be on the standard plan, and that still remains the number one plan of APS customers. If I could be king for a day. If I could be king for a day. And when if you, you know, when you talk about high summer bills, when you break it down on what your total gross amount is and divide that by the number of minutes and average it out, it's pretty amazing how cheap it is to stay comfortable when it's 110 degrees outside. Well, when I'm talking to my superintendents that are driving around in trucks, you know, with 400 pounds of various tools, not not counting the stack of plywood and stuff, and I'm complaining to them about, you guys need to be more careful about the gas you're using, the gas. They say, Rosie, $5 a gallon is pretty cheap when you have to consider I'd have to put all that on my back and push it down the street in a wheelbarrow. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. And if you really wanted to even get more, you know, see exactly how cheap it is to cool it, calculate in just your cooling costs. And... You know, to do that, it would be the difference between your December and your July bill, what that difference is, minus all the surcharges on there. Have you ever gone through and looked at all the surcharges? I mean, you're paying 40, 50, 60 bucks a month just in everyone else, grease in everyone else's pockets the EPA, the APE, the ZPD, the QUA. I mean, <laughs> acronyms don't even exist, they're just money funneling. <laughs> well, they are all taxes and subsidies that, that uh, you've, got, you've got to charge. For what APS has invested to put up the grid. I have to say, too, APS is not a sponsor. Every time we stick up for <laughs> yeah. them, we get all kinds of texts and emails, you know. Well, how can you defend them? But yeah. honestly, folks, you know, we were here along. We used to live on swamp cooling, you know, a long we time did. ago. The air conditioning, the inexpensive air conditioning, relatively speaking, is an awesome thing. Well, we, we talk about. We're open for questions now, one 767 And we're also open for questions all week long, and we get them by calls to the office. We get them by email. And I've got one here I want to share with you all because I think it probably applies to a lot of homeowners that have experienced the rain we've had the last three weeks. What was it? Two weeks ago, we had a historical, a rain event that was historical for the amount and how long it lasted. And it wasn't a hard rain, but it was a constant rain. And for our Arizona homes built in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s that are 2 by 4 or 2 by 6 studs with foam nailed to the outside of that, with chicken wire on top of that, with 3 8 inch of cement stucco or acrylic stucco on top of that, that is the worst kind of rain we can have and here's here's what we've got I'm, I'm i'm reading the email right now rosie i have rainwater entering part of the kitchen area of my home a home inspector and two home renovation companies have looked at the leak and are scratching their heads no one seems to have an idea of how to look for or address this leak i believe the homeowner saying 
the water's entering through one or two small areas of the stucco where there are a couple small holes. I suspect, the homeowner suspects, uh, this is due to where water has has damaged the walls and cabinets in the kitchen and where it appears to be traveling down an exterior wall of the kitchen. People don't believe me when I say this. Stucco is not waterproof, okay? If you have a hole in your stucco, your wall's going to leak. Now, how bad will it leak depends on a lot of things. The direction of the rain makes a big factor, but also the duration of the rain. Because if you haven't painted your house in the last 7 to 10 years, your exterior paint job is doing absolutely nothing or very, very little to stop moisture penetrating into your stucco. And at the point that wall on the outside becomes saturated, it's going to find a way into your house. It's one of the reasons we tell people uh, paint every 7 to 10 years. We tell people to paint their stucco houses with acrylic exterior paint. We do not recommend ceramic paint. We do not recommend elastomeric paint. Don't do it. Just go with a good 100% acrylic exterior paint by one of the major manufacturers. We're, we're big fans of the Sherwin-Williams paint line. Uh, and that paint becomes a temporary raincoat that we're putting on your house. But you must know it's just temporary and will need to be maintained. A stucco home can leak in cracks up on top of the parapet, and they will get inside the wall, and they'll generally manifest themselves on a door header or a door or a window sill. And that can be coming all the way from the top of the wall down. Cracked parapet stuccos are a source of leaking. Any worn-out paint is a source of leaking in a stucco wall. Any worn-out caulk between the stucco and the door frame, the stucco and the window frame, the stucco and the bar drafter, the stucco and the bird blocking, all potential points of leaking. So it does take a lot of detective work to sometimes find these leaks, but I'm going to give you a tip. And here's a tip you can only get at Rosie on the House. If I'm trying to find a mystery leak in the outside wall of a stucco home, I give the homeowner a thermal imaging thermometer, a pistol that you can point an infrared spot at and read the temperature of the wall. And I tell them, the next time it rains, you take this pistol and you just start putting masking tape on areas of the wall and record what temperature you're reading. There's going to be an area in that wall that registers cooler than any other point. And at that point, you're getting extremely close to where that leak is originating. So the thermal imaging little pistols that you can buy at any hardware store, O'Reilly Hardware Automotive, uh, sells them for about 20, 25 bucks. And I loan them to homeowners all the time. Use this the next rain. It will help us identify where we need to start looking. So, Rosie, it seems like it's the big reason 
we love masonry homes. Those those masonry homes, Gary, Gary, yeah. your masonry home built in the fifties and sixties, no problem. Fifty seven, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Jennifer, it seems like we get calls quite often for people with two story homes because that adds another layer with the patio in between. If you've got a leak of trying to figure out where it's coming from. And and it's just more exposed surface, stucco surface. It's just that much more of an area to fail. And we also just want to tell everybody on our website, you can find um, how to choose a painting contractor uh, resource guide. We call them resource guides. And that's just a great way to read through what Rosie's saying and how to make sure that you choose what's right for your home when you're going to repaint. I took a lot of calls this week at the office about people thinking about starting a remodeling job next year. When we get back, we're going to take a short break here, but when we get back, I want to talk through the ABCs of step one for your next home renovation project. I hope you've got a smile on your face, and I hope you're enjoying this holiday season. I'll tell you one of the things I did this week. I had to run. I had to do a one-day turnaround, get up at uh, 3.30 in the morning, drive up to Greer, Arizona on Thursday, have a meeting, and then turn around and drive right back home. Had to. Just had to. I had to. I had to. Thank you for qualifying that. Yes, I had to. Just had to. <laughs> you say Greer, you got to go. And uh, when uh, when we got... Well, I was in the car by myself. When I got to Payson, from Payson on. Snow? Snow cover. Nice. Snow cover. I mean, it was absolutely gorgeous. I found a a Christmas station on Sirius Radio, and I just listened to Christmas music driving through the snow, just getting me in the mood. Absolutely beautiful. But we're getting a lot of calls right now about should I – should I even try – if you've got a remodeling project you've been thinking about maybe all year long and uh, you were trying to decide, do I remodel or do I move? Um, you've decided you want to remodel and you're trying to decide when do you start. Well, can I just take a couple of minutes and take you all through the ABCs of step one of any remodeling project? I want to clarify a couple of things that have become what people believe – are industry standard. They're not. There are a lot of urban legends and myths. People are mistaken that I recommend you getting three estimates for whatever you want done. I don't. I never have. What I have told you is that in our referral network, I like you to have several qualified people in each category to talk to. Okay, Um, and I think you should interview and do your due diligence and research two or three different contractors. But if you're going to want a detailed breakdown like we give for a remodeling project of any scale, I have to tell you, we, we aren't going to do that estimate for free. And there aren't very many people that do anymore. I can't afford to pay my people to go around all day long giving detailed estimates for the work you want done just to have it shopped, okay? Um, so interview two or three. And here's what you want to be interviewing for. And you can go to our website, rosieonthehouse.com, and we actually have – go to the search engine and just type in Consumer Guide. 
And you'll see about eight consumer guides we have on how to shop. Jennifer mentioned one just a minute ago. Consumer guide on how to pick a painting contractor. Consumer guide on how to choose a remodeling contractor. You need to be ready for the first meeting. You've been thinking about this project for some time. Have some definitive ideas. We used to tell people to tear pictures out of Phoenix Home and Garden and Architectural Digest. Give the contractor arriving some clue of what family of finishes you're going to want the job done in. And here's the number one clue you're not going to get from anybody else but me. If the contractor you're interviewing asks you what your budget is, you should kick them off your property. All right? Don't ever tell people what your budget is. You tell those contractors what you want done. And that contractor's response should be, I've done projects just like that successfully for your neighbors. And I can expect you to to, to tell you that that project is going to cost between X and Y, depending on the level of finishes you select, good, better, best, or luxury. If you tell the contractor what your budget is, depending on how desperate they might be for work, they could make a mistake or they could even have bad intentions of giving you a number to get the project started that's only going to blow up on you later. So if your prospect asks you the budget, let a little warning signal go off in your head. Oh, Rosie says that's a problem. Rosie says that's a problem. You turn that question around to the contractor and say, why don't I show you pictures of what I like? Why don't I tell you what kind of project I want done? And why don't you tell me with all your experience about what I should spend? At the point you have someone you're comfortable with, virtually any of the remodeling contractors we endorse and that I respect are then going to charge you a designer retainer to put a detailed estimate together, and that's perfectly fair. For the way prices are changing so fast, we can't hardly even use our software anymore that has 40 years of experience. We have to double-check with phone calls to suppliers and emails and texts to verify all these numbers are still good. It's a lot of work to get the detail that you deserve and that you should demand. They ask you your budget? Red Sirens. Little rosy red sirens should go off. Oh, darling. Rosie's plans just changed for the afternoon. Today, Sanderson Ford is having the first annual Bronco show. Started at 9 a.m., going to 3 p.m. Classic and modern Broncos. Cash prizes, trophies, and live music. Get out there to Sanderson Ford on 51st Avenue for the first annual Bronco show. Now that is worth the trip. It goes till 3 this afternoon. On the cover of their event, they've got a lime green Bronco that looks like it's from the 60s. I bet they probably have Don Sanderson's. Bronco on display as well. Right. They had brought it out from the showroom a while back, um, and yeah. it's a fully restored 1962, I think. Uh, seven. 67? Seven, yeah. Okay. 
Beautiful. And it's been sitting front and center in the showroom for, for quite a while. Absolutely beautiful. And then you've got the Parnelli Jones modifications to the to the Baja Racing Broncos. And so the first annual Bronco show at Sanderson Ford today through 3 o'clock. That would be a great way to get in the, in the holiday spirit. And I'll tell you this. If you contractors that had a good year are in need of upgrading your vehicle, You'd be crazy not to talk to your accountant about Section 179 and getting out to Sanderson Ford before the end of the year. If you had a good year and you need a new vehicle, you'd be crazy not to pursue and investigate that. And you still have Operation Santa Claus going on, so you can bring an unwrapped toy and you'll receive a raffle ticket. That raffle ticket at the end of Operation Santa Claus, you know, will then win a, you know, whoever's raffle ticket selected will win. A, a new Ford. Woohoo! So, Hot pretty, dog. pretty cheap raffle ticket. Just bring an unwrapped gift for Operation Santa Claus and drop it off at uh, at Sanderson Ford when you stop by today. And you had you had something that came in over the break? Yeah, there's a text that came in and a uh, question for you. Let me get it back up here. Um, somebody, this gentleman has a gas stove and I guess he's getting ready all spiffed up for the holiday and he wants to pull his gas stove out to clean underneath, but he's concerned about disconnecting, you know, how, how far out can you pull a gas appliance and not worry about, you know, (laughs) having a gas leak? Well, proceed with caution. Uh, do we have the man's name here? I do not. Let's call him Bob. Mr. Text. Uh, Mr. Tex Bob, uh, with the gas range, uh, we generally have the gas pipe coming out of the back of the wall right there where the range was set to be placed. And then we have a flex connection between that rigid pipe and your appliance. We, we generally put that on a long enough flex for you to pull the unit completely out for any servicing of the unit in the future after we install it. Now, that's how it should be done. You should have plenty of flex to be able to pull that unit out. I would tell you, take a look at your floor covering, and if it's tile, see if the floor covering goes in underneath the the range as well. You may have to lift that front end just a little bit. You're going to have to release the screws and the anchoring from the countertop up above, Probably drop those brackets, uh, take the adjustable feet on the range and twist them up, lift it up and start sliding it out. Put some cardboard down so you're not scratching the tile or whatever floor finish you have. So if if you can get all of that loose, it should. It, there's a very good chance it's anchored in there somehow. So take a good look. Open the doors, look to the side of the frame, see if there's screws Going into the edge of the cabinets or up, there's sometimes two little L clips that connect the top of the range to the bottom of the countertop. Get all those things loose and then just start inching it out. If at the point you experience too much resistance, I would tell you to stop. And that would be the point to bring in a Hussar appliance, Bear appliance, uh, some expert to take a good hard look at it, use their experience uh, as to what might be the case. I wonder why he's trying to get it out. Is he trying to clean it? Yeah, he wants to get up underneath there. You know, it feels good to get cleaned up all along okay. underneath yeah, I, your I did the same thing with my uh, oven a couple of years ago, but okay. I have a, a bunch of flex pipe to move out. 
Uh, the only thing I would add, though, is if there's an on-off switch, okay to turn it off? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Before you start all that, turn it, turn everything off for sure. I had a, another call. You want? Okay. Uh, well, this. Go ahead. They're they're all coming in. They're all coming quiet. Well, this one this one was this earlier this week. Okay. Uh, a lot of times people call us during the week, and you are welcome to do that. And uh, this gentleman lives a little bit out of the city, so his his area is cooler. You know, anybody who's out on the desert oh, okay. floor, their homes are going to be more susceptible to freezing right now. Yeah. So he was concerned about his pipes freezing, and um, he he was older guy, so um, I pointed him to the website, but he didn't want to go there. So I actually, I read him the article about that we have on our website about, okay. about, God um, bless you, baby. God bless <laughs> he was you. such a nice guy. Okay. And then I printed out and send it to him. So I do do things like that. If you guys have questions, but he was, um, has a very simple home was concerned. And so he, what he knew to do was he knew where the main line of water is to his home. And then he found the faucet farthest from that cracked it open overnight, just very gently so that it water keeps moving and doesn't freeze in okay. the pipes. And then in the article, it said to go ahead and wrap that main line that comes into your house with even a towel and, right. and duct tape it, give it a little insulation there. And so um, got him all set up. So that's a couple little tips for everybody. But also um, the, the article addresses the fact if you have landscaping uh, water issues. So, Rosie, what if he had had land, he did not have landscape irrigation and water stuff. What would you need to do to protect that? Well, on that first step he took to go to the farthest hose bib and crack it open and let water be running all night, I would encourage him once he's cracked it open and he's established that he's got it open just enough for a little water to be flowing, put a garden hose on there and get that water out away from the foundation of your house. And that is the last resort of protection that you want. You'd be much better off taking towels, duct tape, tie wire, wrapping all those exposed pipes with multiple layers of towels, taping them in place, tie wiring them in place. And in particular, where the water enters the front of your house, that's called the water manifold. The water pipe comes right up to the front of your house, probably the front of your house, and comes up. And there's an on-off valve there. It's either a, a, an old clock-type valve or it's a lever valve, a ballcock valve. Then it goes up to the hose bib, and then it shoots back right straight into the wall of your house. It may tee off right there to kind of a bell-looking apparatus that's called a vacuum breaker that then feeds your sprinkler line. That vacuum breaker is the weak link in freezing lines. If anything's going to freeze, it's the water that's in that vacuum breaker, and um, then that's a real mess. Um, that happened in Tucson, I want to say about 10 years ago, and every plumber in Phoenix was down in Tucson replacing vacuum breakers. Uh, the city streets were, were – were, there, were, there was running everywhere. It was really kind of comical, but not kind of not as well. So wrap that bell copper brass uh, – fixture really well. Three or four layers of towels should probably do it. That's going to protect your landscaping. It's also going to protect a lot of times those are installed without a shutoff valve on it. And if they bust and explode, there's no way of turning the water off to them other than turning the water off to your house. So there's the the best tips I can give you right there. And you can buy pipe insulation. You don't have to use towels. That's not a very pretty look, but it does work. You can actually buy 
uh, insulation at plumbing and hardware and big box stores that you can wrap around the pipe and cut it to fit and get it covered pretty well. And guess, guess what I did three weeks ago? And, and, we've, your and we've had some we've had some freezes. I replaced my vacuum breaker for the same no. reason. It wasn't <laughs> freezing, but it was really old, and the shutoff valves wouldn't even shut off. So there was uh, yeah. rips coming from that bell top up there. So I'm good. Good. Yeah. yeah you good. perfect. That was a that was exactly the preventative step you needed to take. So they're stopping freezing water lines, and and uh, we haven't had that hard a freeze yet right here in the valley. But uh, we very well could. And especially if you're, like I said, if you live out a little bit more rural, the farther you get away from the heart of the city, the colder it's going to get. So just be sure you're watching the temperature. We get a lot of questions this time of year about how do I extend my Christmas tree? The life of it. How do I extend it? How? And, and if the, the dilemma is if you're asking that question now, you probably haven't done the right thing. If it's, all, if it's dry now and you want to extend it, there's very little way of revise, revitalizing it. But we do have an article in today's newsletter about keeping your Christmas tree as fresh as possible all season long. And you'll know now, no, it wasn't always the case, but when you buy a cut Christmas tree, now virtually every Christmas tree lot will put a fresh cut on the bottom of the trunk to give you an opportunity to get it home as quick as possible and put it in some standing water. Don't let that fresh cut heal itself or start skinning over. That will greatly reduce the amount of water that tree will take up. Get that tree home. I put it in a five-gallon bucket. I fill the bucket with water, and then I hose the tree off for several days. I saturated on the outside. I used to throw it in the swimming pool, but I quit doing that. I just saturated the leaves and everything sitting on the front patio. And you can't believe how much water that tree will suck up out of that five gallon bucket. So keep it watered. Jennifer says the tree we got this year is the most fragrant, freshest tree she can ever remember us having in the house. Got it at the Boy Scout. Um, Tree lot at 11th Street Northern, but don't go there because Romy tried yesterday and they're sold out. <laughs> they're closed. Troop 41, 11th Street Northern, sold every tree they had. That's an amazing tree. I drove by Thursday. I'm like, oh, there's a few there left. I'll get it Friday. And then I oh. went by Friday and it was like dead, oh. all gone. Like, oh, well, good for them. At least they sold out. Amen. We good for We should have been kind 41. enough to pick you up when we were there. I didn't <laughs> think about that. There's something in the article that got my attention, though. I never thought about putting a humidifier in the room where the tree mm-hmm. is. Helps a lot. Yeah. Especially yeah. when you've got, especially on cold times when you've got the heat running. If you've got gas furnace in particular, because the flames on that gas furnace are taking the humidity right out of the air, drying it off. And if you've got a stuffy it's nose. Good for too. people, too. Yeah. yeah. And on the end of that article is uh, some tips on organizing. Um, and I happened to pick up this little magazine. If you guys are in the grocery store, the real simple clutter-free home is a great issue this month. Okay. I love, I love magazines. But um, it's talking about the fact that if you, you're putting you – know, it's the point that you're done with your Christmas tree and you're putting your stuff away. If you have things that you haven't used, to repurpose them, give them away or whatever to make room for new things. Okay. Um, and uh, that's a really good idea because I was at Barrage Nursery on Camelback yesterday. <laughs> and they have the most amazing Christmas room that you have ever seen. If you haven't stopped by, they don't make a big deal like 
they don't say to you, you have to go in this room. It's kind of like this little mysterious door, and you open it, and you go in, and it's, I bet you it's 15 or 20 trees just jammed full of the most beautiful ornaments and all kinds of nativity things and different things across around the room, uh, you know, snow scenes and stuff. Oh, my gosh. I was there to buy plants, and I almost didn't get out of the room. It was just <laughs> beautiful. But anyway, so if you, um, in putting all the old stuff away, make room for some, some of those new beautiful things. I'm still waiting for Romy to invent that Christmas light wrap-up tool. <laughs> oh, I like I like fighting them every year. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, you can wrap them up perfectly beautiful January 2nd this year. And when you go grab them December 1st next year, someone has gotten in there and tangled them all up. It, it's inevitable. I don't know how that happens. It's a tangle monster. It is a tangle monster, secret tangle monster. So we're here trying to spread a little bit of Christmas cheer for all of our Arizona homeowners at Rosie on the House. We hope you're having a happy, happy holiday season. We're going to be back in just a few minutes to wrap up the three hours of today's broadcast right after this. Why do I care how much it may stone? I've got my love to keep me warm Says it's still not even 50 degrees outside yet. (laughs) Fiesta Bowl Parade started almost an hour ago. Oh, boy. Chili Parade. Avoid Central Avenue unless you're going there for the parade. Uh, Hopefully, I don't know if that... No uh, freeway closures this weekend. I know there was a wreck that shut 17 down. Hopefully that's back up. But I do like the way ADOT does that around holidays and weekends. You know, this isn't necessarily a holiday weekend, but this weekend, Christmas weekend, and the New Year's weekend, not having to worry about any freeway shutdowns for construction is a... That is a gift. Yes. Because just about every other weekend there is one. I know, right? Just about. Just about. That's for sure. Jennifer, you were talking about someone who uh, asked us more questions on pipe freezes and asked about the wisdom <laughs> of turning the water off out at the water meter in the in the valve box out by the street. Um, uh, I mean, if, if you're confident that the freeze warning for the night is going to be that severe, uh, you could do that. You know, the only water you're going to have uh, is the water in your toilet tanks. You might want to plug up a bathtub and fill it full of water so you'd have at least some, you know, some water you could put in the back of the toilet to flush through the night. Uh, I had a good friend recently uh, with, some, with some water problems, and I said, look, fill every bathtub, fill every jug, fill every vase, fill everything you've got in the house with water um, before they turn the water off, before you turn the water off. So at least you have something. But it takes kind of a special tool to reach down in that valve box. And if it hasn't been turned off any time recently, it can be pretty stubborn. Now, What if you broke it? Uh, you don't want to go there. That'd be pretty hard. Yeah. That'd be pretty hard okay. to break. They, they put good industrial okay. valves on there. But, it, but if you did, um, uh, call 911. <laughs> it wouldn't be pretty, huh? <laughs> no. Call yeah. water nine no, Boy, yeah, boy. If you broke it, then you then you've got a real mess on your hands. Uh, you can take a a fourteen or sixteen inch crescent wrench and anchor it and 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 cinch it onto the 
the part of the valve and then then take another 14 or 16 inch crescent wrench and put it on the handle and use that as like a T drive to turn or, it. or stick in a uh, long screwdriver through the eye of the it, crescent wrench yep. and use it as a handle that, that way. that's another great way to do it as well uh, but again that's that's last ditch second to last ditch i guess i would do that before i would crack a hose bib at the far end of the house and let a little water run all night long. Rosie, but, can I have a question about that too? When I think the gentleman I was talking to was talking about like the farthest inside faucet he cracked open in his house to keep the f- pipes from freezing. Like he Oh, well, if it's inside the house, that's fine. I mean, but that outside hose bib is still a danger. Okay. Those outside, those outside hose bibs are probably in more danger of freezing uh, than in anything inside the house. Okay. If you got pipes freezing inside the house... Inside the insulated wall. I mean, I'm not talking about stuff that might be uninsulated yeah. in the attic. Uh, that's coming up under the slab and inside the home. It, it should never freeze. Okay. All right. So what are our takeaways? Not for, in Arizona. <laughs> not, <laughs> Phoenix, I, right? I, not in the below the rim anyway. Um, our takeaways from today's broadcast, 8 o'clock hour. I, uh, John Jay reminded me, Rosie, get out there and fertilize that uh, winter lawn. Uh, cold temperatures are going to turn it yellow. And turn your water system off. Doesn't need it. No, we've got nice moisture the last couple of weeks, and it's going to carry us a couple more. If we get another storm coming in the next couple of weeks, that should carry us to the end of January and not have to use any any water for lawn, watering the lawn uh, for the this winter part of the year, which would be great because we're getting the snow. Yes. Snowpack's starting to come up north, so we can serve our water so that when that snow runoff finally hits in the summer, we've got... You know, maybe get our reservoir trending in a, in the positive direction. That would be amazing. I liked your uh, encouragement, Rosie, to slow down and breathe. <laughs> I'm in Romy's position. I'm way behind. <laughs> just telling you, Romy, I love you. That's probably all you get. But um, anyway, just slow down and enjoy it. There's so much, uh, you know, we talked to Steve Schumacher, the Phoenix historian, in the 9 o'clock hour about all the things to get out and see and do uh, in Phoenix area for Christmas and Tucson too. You mentioned a lot of the places in Tucson, Prescott. Just we can do that here. Get out and enjoy it. Get out and enjoy it. And again, if you're from the valley or the desert floor and you want to experience, and we've had some snow here recently, just take a little day drive and get up there and uh, uh, rub rub some snow in your underwear, and then out uh, you'll you'll be fixed for about another year. <laughs> let it go down your neck. <laughs> yeah, down the back of your neck. Let it, let it just go down your neck. Ooh boy. Man, oh man. So we're glad y'all joined us here this morning. We'll be back uh, every Saturday morning from 8 to 11 to uh, answer any question you might have about your house, home, castle, or cabin, wherever you are in the great state of Arizona. It's what we do right here at Rosie on the House. <laughs>